0: when we're internally framing these, to-do lists, mm-hmm. I should be baking that cake for my best friend. But the reality is that you could be baking that.
1: You are listening to the Joy Entrepreneur podcast with Apoorva were Let's jump right in. Welcome to the Joy Entrepreneur's Podcast. That's Neeta Jain, an engineer-turned-performance coach who helps women transform from burnout to high-performance. I'm Apoorva Garvari, a product and engineering leader in tech and the host of this podcast, where my goal is to inspire you to action on the passion project, the side hustle, the goal, or the hobby that you always dreamed of. In today's high-stress work environments, burnout is not uncommon, particularly for women. Research shows that women take on the primary role for household and childcare responsibilities, even when they are the primary breadwinners. One way to deal with that burnout is to look inwards and circle in what gives you joy. That source of joy needs nurturing. You need to create the space to harness it, because when you do, you'll be surprised at how quickly the excitement and the positivity that follow replace the dread and anxiety associated with stress. And that's why I'm so excited to introduce Neeta on today's show. Having gone through burnout in a high-stress corporate job in tech, Neeta looked inward and realized that she wanted to transform not just her life, but also the lives of others. That led her to founding Her Shakti, a holistic wellness program for immigrant women that's seen enormous traction since its launch and now has a community of over 1,500 members. Neeta and I also went to high school together and our careers took parallel paths over the years. In fact, we overlapped at Amazon as product managers and then reconnected over the years. As is the case with most childhood friendships, we were able to pick up right where we left off. And when I launched this podcast, she was one of the first people I wanted to bring on the show so you can hear all about her amazing story. Welcome, Neeta. Thank you so much for being here.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much, Apurva, um, for having me over and, um, and congrats on this amazing initiative of, you know, getting your voice out there and inspiring so many people.
1: That's great. Well, you were uh, one of the sources of my inspiration. And so let's rewind. Let's backtrack to your Uh, early childhood and I've always known Nita Jen as an athlete, a dancer, an orator, a writer and of course like graded academics like the star student all rolled into one Um, and then fast forward uh, you know you studied computer science, you landed your job in big tech and and then you made a complete career pivot Um, so without giving away too much I'm going to let you tell us your story. Yes, yes,
0: I know. Um, So yeah, I do have fond memories of us overlapping back in school in a little suburb of uh, Mumbai. And uh, my journey has been uh, a very typical immigrant journey, right? Coming from India to United States of America for a master's in computer science, which was at least at the time, very typical. And just like, you know, rewinding back to childhood, you know, looking at Um, you know, when I was like a teenager growing up in India, I would, I had like a very small checklist of things that I wanted to do in life. You know, one was like, come to US, you know, living that big American dream. Second was, you know, marry a decent guy, have a couple kids. And third was work at Microsoft, because when I was growing up, Bill Gates, Microsoft, it was like the place to be in. So <laughs> fast forward when I um fast forward to 2017 when I um gave birth to a beautiful baby boy after a really long infertility journey. I um I was at Amazon. Um, you know, my, my husband's a decent guy, so I married a decent guy, check, got a kid, was at Amazon, so it's which is kinda like Microsoft. Uh, I still felt miserable. I Uh, I felt very disconnected, one, from my body. I just did not, I was at this point of burnout, but not realizing it. It was like being a new mom, working in a fast-paced tech company and uh, not being aligned with what I wanted to do. So it was like a full-blown existential crisis. And I took the very unexpected step, which is pretty risky for an immigrant, uh, at least in the United States is to spontaneously, you know, pause your career and go back to school. And uh, what I did, and you and I have this big network of teachers and, you know, students back in school, I went back to that, to that, you know, to my childhood friends, even a couple, a few school teachers, and asked them, like, what did you think that I would do when I would grow up, right? And um, you know, coming again, like just touching upon like some of the societal conditioning that a lot of Asians come from is there are like two, three paths, right? Like it's uh, following your passion or following something that lights you up is not celebrated, right? Coming from the Asian, typical Asian culture. And so, um, you know, you you kind of tend to follow the rat race. A lot of us do that. And what happens along that journey is that you, um you burn out, you can burn out for several reasons, right? You can burn out because you don't have good boundaries, or your company doesn't have a great culture, or you're just misaligned with your zone of genius and zone of inspiration. So mine was a bit of a combination of all of that. And, um and, uh, yeah, so I, I actually asked, what would I do? And like you mentioned, I was a lot into sports. And so a lot of folks use the word coach, they use the word uh, something in nutrition. And so I was somebody just said, you know, what you're doing right now, I just didn't expect you to do what you're doing. And so I got different kinds of feedback. And so I wanted to explore wellness uh, as a field, uh, learn more about nutrition to take care of myself, my family. And so I went into a nutrition
1: school. That's great. So that it, it sounds like that checked off step one and two, step one being realizing and being honest with yourself that you're not you know, what you're doing on a day-to-day basis isn't giving you joy and step two is also tuning into then what does give you joy and in your case you you were able to identify that that was wellness not just for yourself and your family but also for uh, people around you. Um. So how did you go to step three from there which was really like an evaluation of as an immigrant again like very relatable will this pay the bills? And like, how do I make sure the burden isn't on my partner alone? How did you make that transition from, from going into school into then being, uh, taking that one step forward and saying, this could actually be something you could do on a full-time basis?
0: Yeah, good question, because that is what um, limits us, right? A lot of times it's, we have these this perception that no one's going to buy this from me or this is not worth it. And so some of it could be the reality. And that's like, you know, wearing that product management hat, like what does the customer really need? Um, and I definitely saw this increasing trend. I mean, in uh, non-immigrant communities, right? It's health coaching. Coaching has been around for a little longer. For um, more of the marginalized communities, it's still a new thing. And reaching out for help is is still not, is still like a secondary option. It's not the first thing people think of, right? And people mm-hmm. aren't as open. So what I uh, first my initially I paused and I went back to corporate America and then um, I so I, I side hustled for a little bit. so I definitely started off as a side hustle and then once uh, and then of course, the pandemic hit right at that time, and there was more awareness. So in a way, it was, um, it helped, but it did not help, right? For example, when I wanted to pivot, I wanted to do more corporate speaking. I wanted to get back to corporations, do workshops, and suddenly all the corporations shut down. Mm-hmm. But the thing with coaching is that it is set up as, I mean, by default, it's set up for remote work, for virtual coaching. It works for the clients. It works for me. And so um, it has, I would say it has taken me a long time to just, understand this market and also revise my offerings. And um, the work, I mean, you and I overlapped as, you know, technologists at Amazon. The the product manager had actually really helped me materialize this vision, right? Like it helped me with, so even though I made this big shift, and I guess this is something for all of us to reflect upon, right? Like how do we connect the dots, right? Like how, like what we're doing, even though when we're career shifting, there are a lot of skills that are transferable, mm-hmm. And how you can take like, whether it's people management, people skills, or one thing that helped me a lot was, what is the MVP? That's literally the question I ask all the time. So even when you are a solopreneur or a freelancer or a side hustler, you know, a lot of times some of these skills that you're learning as a technologist, for example, in my case, I was able to transfer over to my business.
1: That's great. Um, and so this happened just about before the pandemic started. So, you know, you didn't have a crystal ball, but uh, clearly as you were going through the pandemic, this was an urgent need, a hot need that I'm sure uh, the, the communities you talked about, but even outside of those communities felt. So what were those few years like and how did you juggle side hustling, you know, some some of it spent on your Full time job as a technologist, and then again, your growing family. What were those years like for you?
0: Yeah, so um, it, it was definitely like when you're juggling a side hustle, uh, you know, a one year old, two year old kid, and then the pandemic hits and everything is shut down, it definitely puts a lot of pressure. And so, what worked for me was being one is having a very clear intention of what you're here to achieve right like very being very clear because oftentimes when we have clutter in our priorities like really you know one thing is to ruthlessly prioritize but when one, the other thing is to also declutter our priorities mm-hmm. and uh, for me being a recovering people pleaser i go by as i've been a people pleaser and now have updated that title to a recovering people pleaser is that really um being very clear about the intention why i'm doing it and mm-hmm. so i think Um, you know, I think I started saying no a lot, not just to others, but even to myself, because, uh, that's how, that's how we also tend to burn out and that's how we tend to take on more. And so, uh, I think as a people pleaser, I think what really helped me was the should and the could, and this is what I also teach my clients is. Uh, there are a lot of things when we're, when we're internally framing these, our to-do lists, mm-hmm. I should be baking that cake for my best friend. But the reality is that you could be baking that. And so when you just shift that language and you take that pressure off, we, ideally you should not have more than two or three mm-hmm. shirts in your to-do list. Like example, I should be picking up my son from school at 3 PM today. So that's a should. It's, it's a non-negotiable, but there are a lot of things that are good. And so I think I got really clear and intentional mm-hmm. uh, about w- what I'm here to do and what's the why behind the what and the why. And then also being, uh, nuancing the the should and the could. And I think that's, that's what helped me juggle being a mother doing this passion project. And then when I was, and then at some point I did quit, uh, corporate mm-hmm. completely, and I decided to just go all out.
1: Love that. And so, uh, let's forward, fast forward to that point where you, you know, made a clear step away from your corporate job and clear plunge into uh, her shakti. Tell us a little bit about her shakti and how that journey evolved since your first MVP to where it is now.
0: Yes, thank you for asking. So, um, so I started off like with just authentically finding my voice and sharing it which is hard right starting a podcast or starting a blog or starting like you know a a bakery like it's all about sharing your gift with the world so I think the first step was like what will the world think of me like anticipating that I think that is a lot that comes up and um so that's that that was my initial stage of the journey like being like saying yes I'm here to do this and there's value um and like wearing the product management hat I did do market research I did I reached out to a few friendly customers and I interviewed them I collected feedback I made a whole pain point list and all of that and so what I came up with was a program which was called the fierce goddess program it was a coaching program and um it was a holistic wellness program I focused more on nutrition Mm-hmm. and um, I started signing up clients, and then it evolved into group coaching, mm-hmm. and I and what I realized is that, of course, I'm here to teach and give the knowledge and also so coach you, but the synergies that happened when there's a community, I realized, I knew theoretically what a safe space in the community means, but when I started bringing these women together, it created a safe space. Of course, I'm holding the container and I'm creating rules and I'm making it safe. But the thing is, it's not just for me, but it's them. And so I realized the importance of creating a community along the journey. And then, um, so I launched a digital course, uh, had group coaching cohorts. And then I uh, decided that I'm going to actually, I gave myself permission to scale. Mm-hmm. And so Harshakti has most recently launched <clears throat> a community platform. It's called mm-hmm. Nari. Mm-hmm. which stands for Nourished and Rising Immigrant Women. Mm-hmm. And we also were able to uh, have our first summit. It's called the IWW Summit. It was all virtual. Um, and uh, there were about, there were 300 folks who registered and there were there was uh, Bollywood dancing. There was strength training. There was somebody who spoke about mental wellness. It was holistic. It was very action-packed. So it was unlike any other conference where. So, you know, we've I was able to get to this, community and that's that's been my evolution mm-hmm. in, in terms of like the versions of Hershakti has been really you know creating a scalable valuable product which is also affordable mm-hmm. because it's, it's a it's a community platform um so uh that's been one area of of harshakti and then as a coach i have evolved from being a nutrition coach to a performance coach as you as you introduced me so i went to nutrition school um and i think it's for a lot of coaches, this is typical, you start with the body and then you get to the mind. And so now I'm focused on the mindset shifts for, um, you know, women in tech, because I really understand that, that, that group so well, I was one yeah. of them. And, um, you know, their tech is a great industry to, to work with. I love tech. It was my world. And, um, however there, and it's, it's, it's a great industry that takes a lot of, um, it changes fast. It's a lot more nimble mm-hmm. compared to other industries, but it also has a lot more work, right? If you look at the diversity, the gender diversity, uh, there is still a lot fewer women as engineers than men, and so just creating that, having more psychological safety and feeling of belonging, and being able to share your ideas and voice, because if that's not there, you are gonna, you're probably gonna be burnt out. You probably may leave the workforce altogether after becoming a mom and that's a problem we want to retain this talent into these companies
1: love that Let's just
0: yeah
1: yeah and when i couple that with the numbers right it's it's quite striking how there is such a massive um lack of representation in the industry uh less than two percent of all vc funding goes to female founders one in five C-suite leaders is a woman and when you look at women of color that number drops to one in 20. So there's just a lot of work I think for for us to do here and that's where I love having these conversations with women like you who has created the path and for our kids for the next generation that comes along hopefully it'll be a different story. Um, So love that Um, and and I would also love to introduce uh, her Shakti for for those of us in the audience that uh, don't know what Shakti means, um Neet, I would love for you to explain the powerful yes. phrase you picked to describe your company because mm. I, the first time I heard it, it just stayed with me. It resonated so deeply.
0: Mm, yes, thank you for sharing that you resonated. Yes, yeah, so growing up in India, so um, Shakti, the, the basic word, I always grew up like me meant power in Hindi, but it has a more deeper Almost a spiritual meaning, uh, which is what people resonate with. Shakti actually refers to the inner, uh, the the inner feminine wisdom. So, if we were to back like lots of like they go back into like the ancient uh, mythology, um, there is Shiva and Shakti, right? There is there is the masculine energy and there's the feminine energy, and that doesn't really mean men or women, right? Every woman has this masculine energy and this feminine energy. And um, you know, it could be construed as a little bit woo-woo or out there, but really, what it means is that you are connected very deeply to your feminine wisdom. Mm-hmm. For example, like we, we were in tech, right? Like a lot of times, um, and this I think that's it's, it's changed a lot in the last ten to fifteen years. But uh, all across the world, right? Like just to be taken seriously, women would dress up as men or have those mannerisms, right? Because they didn't feel just to, just to act like they belong. Right. And, and so like, and feminine doesn't just mean the way you dress, but it just means that you're actually uh, bringing your, your feminine power into, you're you're unapologetic about it. So Shakti has this very deep spiritual meaning Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah. And so uh, I really resonated with that, that word uh, and to bring, and fun fact is that Nari Shakti has been mm. has been incorporated into the dictionary just three years ago. Oh, as my! I think it was uh, like UNICEF's pr- proposal or something. I think that was. It's also one of the Nari Shakti is one of the awards that you give to um, in India mm. uh, for uh, work that you do for women empowerment. So the words Nari Har Shakti they all go really well together. And you know, a lot of people like you have. They've just come to me and they're like, we just so resonate with this word
1: love that and I also love how you've taken nari and made that an acronym for uh you know your most recent program it's beautiful uh so Neeta, uh thanks for walking us through that journey from you know your early days where you felt things were out of sync with what you wanted to do and what gave you joy to like now where this is such a full-fledged uh program that's so rich and adding so much value in so many women's lives um so if you look back to your transition points and your inflection points. Uh, there were points where you didn't quite know what it was you wanted to do. You just knew it was something different from what you were doing back then. And uh, as you tuned into your passion project or side hustle, as you might call it, um, what do you wish you had more of so it would have made your path easier to to truly discover um, where you are now?
0: Mm, such a good question, Apoorva. And this is something that all of us struggle and we will continue to struggle because being clear at any point of time because whatever we are doing whatever path we are in, we keep moving forward and we keep evolving and so clarity keep keeps getting uh revised and so clari- when well, you're clear and then you again get muddled you get clear and again so it's 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 like a iterative cycle mm-hmm. and um and so because sometimes you feel like, oh, I'm on the right path. I feel so passionate. I'm feeling the state of flow. And then you reach that state because you are just a different person.
1: Mm-hmm. And so
0: when we talk about like Jap- Japanese, uh, there's a concept, a concept called Ikigai. In, ja- in in India, there's this concept called Dharma. Like, what are you here to do? Like, what is your purpose? What is it that you truly like are here to achieve, right? Like, And so um, I think what would have helped me at the time as I was navigating that confusion I did speak to, by the way, an Ikigai coach. I got some clarity and I knew that I was on the right path because I just got, um, like, fun fact, I was into data and analytics for like eight years, right? That was my path. And so I would always collect data points and I would see a pattern. But what, when you couple it with your intuition, that's when you get clarity, right? You get all this, like, you ask questions and the thing is you want to listen to your gut and you want to feel it. And the way you do that is when you think of, um, you know, being very attuned to what is draining me and what is energizing me. What is it that feels like play? It should actually feel like as children, like how they're so involved, they feel a state of flow and they're playful. So sometimes there's certain things, which will just, for example, like writing, for some people feels like play, whereas talking on a podcast, doing YouTube videos feels very, so you follow that that path. And so I think if I had that, Um, Knowing that, I think I think it's taken me time to like just tune into that. I think that that's just helped me. Uh, Also, just uh, second would be um, getting help. Mm. Not meant to be doing great things by yourself. And I think somewhere along the line, our circuitry kind of got was that you are a superwoman. um, You know, like you have to do everything by yourself and. The, the people around you kind of validate that. Oh, she did it all by herself. The thing is that that's that's not sustainable. One, you're going to burn out, and you're supposed to be doing great things together. And so, mm-hmm. just putting your hand up and getting help, and specifically getting help. You know, we spoke about play in the first point. When it's not playful, like when it's when you if something feels like play, state of flow, that means you're in your zone of genius or in your zone of inspiration. Mm-hmm. But if you are in your zone of dread or your zone of weakness, you're going to be drained. So anything that feels like zone of dread or weakness or, you know, this, like, for example, like for me, um, taxes, zone of mm-hmm. dread, I will outsource that. And so, um, yeah, so identifying and getting help on mm-hmm. that would be the thing. And third is um, paying too much attention about what others are doing or what others maybe or are thinking about you. Because that just totally does not keep you in your lane. Um, and that is probably the hardest one because um, as humans, we want to get validation from community. We are meant to be in communities. We mm-hmm. want to be accepted. So it's a very real fear. Like if, if you're completely doing something different or you're completely against the grain, then it, you want to be validated. So just knowing that, that that need and that fear is coming from a very primal place for all of us. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, we sometimes go overdrive and that we are just not listening to our intuition or taking that action that we are feeling so much this calling for or this drive for because um, we are feeling judged by other people. But the truth mm-hmm. is that you may be judging yourself, but others are actually judging you. So those are the three things
1: love that and and it's so clear to have those takeaways, um, clarity and getting help and the fear of feeling judged and not letting uh, yourself uh, you know be intimidated by that. Um, so this is great. and and Nita, when you look forward to, let's say the next two to three years, what's your vision for her shakti? What's your vision for everything you're doing with this community of marginalized people? Where would you like to take it?
0: yes, um so for her Shakti i uh, my word for like twenty twenty three is scale, and truthfully, I'm giving myself permission to scale, so it's like reaching uh as many immigrants that that I can and so like I think my um, my a lot of my outreach and conversations are with other fellow fellow immigrant movement makers so um so far I've tapped into the South Asian uh demographic because of who I am and the food that I talk about. And so I'm actively working of reaching out to other communities and also universities and students and really mapping out that journey Mm. and how we can make this into a very valuable content platform and a a generous community. And so scale is a big one uh, with Nari. For and then for my my work as a coach and consultant for corporations, I'm really focused on tech, tech industry right now and going back and doing workshops on how do you go from burnout to high performance and really thinking of high performance from a feminine angle, from a holistic angle. Performance has so far been, it comes from this very athletic, and I think I resonate so much with it because I was an athlete growing up that the high performance, it does come from that athletic world. world. However, there is a very holistic and a feminine way. Like, for example, uh, taking a nap Mm -hmm. is high performance, right? You're taking a very strategic nap is a tool for getting high performance. Saying no and clearing out your calendar to just ruminate uh, on something is high performance, right? So there's a lot of things. So I think uh, I teach high performance in a very... um, holistic in a different way. So that's, and I'm taking it to corporations. And then I think my bigger goal is really bringing it together with DEIB, Diversity, Equity, Inclusion, Belonging, because the link between wellness and diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging is kind of is kind of missing in corporate America right now. We, wellness is treated as one field and then mm-hmm. DEI is another one. But there is a dotted line between those two and they can be thought of as holistically and so a lot of my corporate consulting work is going to be focused in future and making that connection
1: love and, that yeah uh, for those in the audience that are left inspired and ruminating over everything you shared with us today your story your struggles you know your uh fears but then your evolution and your success now and given where you are uh, but then those in the audience that are not maybe even at step one, who are still at step zero and maybe just realizing that where they are and what they want to do isn't who they want to be. What advice would you have for them? Because mm. um, you've talked through so many challenges you've navigated, Nita, and it's it's honestly so inspiring to see how you took them on one at a time and you know embrace that ambiguity because there were a lot of points where I'm sure you felt like, I don't know what's next, but I, I know this isn't the thing I want to do. Um, And so, like, how do you take that back to the audience and and what message would you have for them if they're at that step minus one or step zero?
0: Mm, Such a good question again. Um, So when you're in step zero, right, which is um, so there are many versions of step zero. One is um, not like complete despair, like just like there's nothing out there for me. And um, if you are in that stage, what I would invite you to do is to dig into your childhood essence because that's when clarity would come because the childhood essence is where something in you does not ever change. Mm-hmm. So for example, Apurva Garbari, she stood for something when she was six years old and she'll continue, she continue to be passionate about something when she's 60. There's something that in you doesn't change. Those are your values. Those are not your beliefs, but those are your values. That's your childhood essence. And one exercise that I make uh, clients do is like really looking, tuning into like some child, take some childhood picture and try to get like, look at that picture and see what you stood. Because what happens is along the way, when you, if you're at step zero, is there are these layers, right? Adulting happens, kids happen, you become a mom, divorces happen. There's a lot of seasons of life that happen. And as immigrants, there are other complications. Pandemic happened, and which was exceptionally hard for immigrants, especially, that you lose touch with what makes you happy what your childhood essence is so really tapping into that play and uh, you you know the other thing that i say is like really reaching out to people that know you like doing something like a 360 feedback that i did i think that was really helpful it just happened organically and i've still saved those responses because like i said right you all often get unclear right like things happen There, are these limiting beliefs what i call the sap the saboteurs they take over and you get confused again um, so I would do, I would do that. Um, the other thing could step, another step zero could be like, I'm very clear that this is not my path. There is something else. So there is some hope. And so, um, so that's kind of like step zero and step 0.5 is that you're at least there's hope, right? So I, I think what I would work on is that there is something for you. Mm-hmm. There's something for each one of us that is there. Um, so, and what happens is, and that path could look that, you know, just within the same company, I've had clients who've just changed roles within the same company, or they worked on themselves and worked on better boundaries. Um, because your passion project doesn't need to pay the bills, mm-hmm. right? Like get, getting that, like you can have a complete life, right? Like you can, and being very clear that, you know what my, maybe my day job gets me, um gets me, pays the bill because that's mm-hmm. a very real human concern and uh, decide whether it's dance or singing or being in a rock uh, band or whatever that means for, for you is uh, is something that you do prioritize. And, and the thing is as a high performer, you can do do all of that, right? Like that's what I mean by high performance is that you can have a whole complete life, which means that you can have the cake and keep it. You don't have to compromise because that's what, as women, we've been conditioned to.
1: That's great. No, love that. And I have learned so, so much today. So thank you, Nita. Uh, This was a wonderful 30 minutes with you. And I, I think you've left many messages that folks in our audience are going to reflect on tonight and sleep better with. Thank you.
0: Most welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me over, Apurva, and congrats on this amazing podcast. I can't wait to devour the entire season.
1: Thank you for joining us today on Joy Entrepreneur with Apurva Garwere. We hope that this episode provided you with inspiration, motivation, and thought-provoking ideas to help you achieve success in your own entrepreneurial journey. If you'd like to stay connected with Apoorva and get more insight from her entrepreneurial journey, join her on LinkedIn, where she shares more tips and advice for entrepreneurs or email her at apurva.garware at gmail.com. Thanks again for tuning in. We look forward to hearing from you soon.